Have you ever felt like your life is out of control? Maybe you feel like that now. Or maybe you know someone who feels like that now. I know that when our life is out of control, it is not a very, it's not a comforting feeling. We don't feel like we are living our best life, certainly not the life that Jesus came to give us. And we're reminded of his words uh, when he said, I've come that you may have life and have it to the full. I think what we've experienced over the last 10 months has certainly limited our experience of life. We have suffered loss, we have suffered pain, we've suffered hurt, we've suffered isolation. We may have gained some things, we've gained family time. Uh, There is certainly positives that we are able to bring out of times like this, but I don't think any of us can say we are fully living our best life. Maybe you can relate to this story, and as I'm sure uh, you'll gather, as I tell it, it is 20 years old, uh, but it still traumatizes me. Uh, For a very brief period of time, I decided that I wanted to learn how to wave ski. I didn't think I would ever learn to stand up surf, and wave skiing is like sitting down and surfing. And a group of us uh, lived in Cape Town at the time, and we went to a place called Elans Bay, great surf there, known for its surf. Uh, And we went out there, a bunch of surfers, stand up surfers, and me learning how how to wave ski, and one day we went out, uh, and I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but the waves always look from the shore a whole lot smaller than they actually are when you get out there. Uh, but here I am trying to get out. The waves were big. Uh, it was great for the surfers because they could duck dive their boards under the waves. A wave skier is unable to duck dive, so it feels like I'm 10 meters further forward and then 20 meters back. Anyway, long story short, I was exhausted by the time I got to backline. I sat there for about 20 minutes just trying to catch my breath, and then the big moment came. It was my very first wave on a wave ski ever. I caught it. There was a moment of exhilaration. I looked up, and I thought, what have I done? On a wave ski, when you're sitting down, a wave is as double as high as it is when you're standing on a surfboard. I looked up. This thing was enormous. I knew what the outcome was going to be. It crashed down on me with all its power. I turned upside down. I didn't even know which way was up. I was breathing in salt water. Uh, it was very ugly. And for a long time, I wasn't even able to right myself uh, to Eskimo roll and get upright. I was just tossed and turned and tossed and turned what felt like forever, and I washed up on the beach thoroughly exhausted, sand and water coming out of every part of my body. It was a terrible experience. I sat on the beach. It took me 30 minutes to recuperate from that, and I didn't go back out again. And I think some of us are experiencing something very similar today. The wind, the waves, the the, uh, tumultuous environment. We don't know which way is up. We've got salt water. We're breathing in salt water. Uh, It's coming out of every uh, environment of ours, and we are exhausted absolutely exhausted. On top of it, there is pain, there's bruising, there's all of these things. And I want to ask us this question today. If Jesus came that we may have fullness of life, and that's what's on offer, and yet we are experiencing what we're experiencing at this point in time, are we able to close that gap? Are we able to live a full life? Are we able to live a life of blessing that Jesus has come, even in the midst of the pain and the turmoil and, the, and, and everything that is going on at this point in time? We read this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. It says, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus. 
And so the question I want to ask us is, how do we lead ourselves at this time? How do we care for ourselves? How do we pastor ourselves at this time? And also, how can we lead others to life? How can we pastor and care for others at this time? And so our base text is Matthew chapter 14, 22 to 27. It has given me such courage over the last couple of weeks. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side, while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Oh, how we long for those words today. Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. And I want to, I want to just go through, to, go through today as we go through this scripture on why we can have courage in our darkness And so if there is a title to this message, it is Courage in the Darkness. Courage in the Darkness. We can have courage because Jesus is praying for us. We read in this text that he sent the disciples off and he went up on a mountainside and prayed all night. We can have courage because Jesus is praying for us. We can have courage because Jesus steps into our boat in our darkness. It said Jesus went out to the disciples while it was still dark in the last hour of the night before dawn. And so in the darkness of the disciples, Jesus appeared. We can have courage because Jesus steps into our boat in the wind and the waves. He doesn't wait for the wind and the waves to die down. He's not terrified by them. He's not on a nine-to-five job uh, specification. In the wind and the waves, Jesus appears to jump into the boat with the disciples. And fourth, we can have courage because Jesus steps into our boat in spite of our fears as the disciples cried out, or as they cried out in uh, afraid, uh, they thought they had seen a ghost, Jesus climbs into our boat in the midst of our fears. And so we're going to look at this. We can have courage because Jesus is praying for us. Hebrews chapter 7 verse 25 says this, Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Since he always lives to make intercession for them. We need to understand, friends, that Jesus is reigning. He is waiting for the moment that he can leave his throne, but not until he makes his enemies his footstool. We read that in Psalm 110, verse 1. And so while he waits for that moment, he is sitting at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us. Jesus is praying for us as he prayed for his disciples all night while they were being buffeted by the wind and the waves. He was busy praying through the darkness, through the hours of the dark. We can have courage because Jesus steps into our boat in our darkness. This speaks to me of our mind. God, God wants us to, uh, to have healthy mind, body, and soul. Mind, body, and soul. And so in our darkness, it, uh, it speaks to me of being in our minds. And so we can have courage because Jesus steps into our boat in our darkness. I remember uh, when I was a schoolboy, we went on a tour to a working gold mine in Gauteng. And as we went down, they asked us to turn off our headlamps. It was Utterly terrifying. 
One were dropping two kilometers into the earth, but two, when I put my hand up in front of my face, I could see absolutely nothing. I didn't know who was standing next to me. I didn't know if there was anybody standing next to me. It was terrifying, and I think some of us feel like we're in that space right now. It is so dark. We don't know who's standing next to us. Is there anybody standing next to us? Is there someone to hold our hand at this time? We feel like uh, we are completely uncertain on things. Darkness, to me, speaks of uncertainty. The reality is, even when we turn out our lights at home, uh, we've got moonlight or starlight or distant light, and so there's always something that we can see by, but when there is utter darkness, it becomes overwhelming. And I want to speak to us that you can have courage in your darkness because Jesus does come in the darkest hour to us. See, Psalm 109 verse 105 says this, Your word is a lamp unto my feet, a light to my path. What we crave as humanity is certainty. We want to know outcomes. The scriptures say he's a lamp unto my path. The problem with the lamp is, although we can see our next step or maybe our next two steps, there's so many blind spots that we just don't get to know. And this is the faith journey we walk. But we do know that Jesus' word is a lamp unto our feet. And so we have something that we're able to hold on to. We can have courage because Jesus arrives in the darkness. I have heard that in a blind man's home, he has confidence to walk around when he knows uh, that the furniture is unmoved and he gets to learn some of those patterns. Some of us become comfortable in the dark. We get to learn to walk around in the dark. But what's happened over this period in our lives as our businesses have been turned upside down, for some of us our marriages have been turned upside down. In the schooling environment, the worlds have been turned upside down. It feels like all the furniture's moved and we are bumping into things left, right, and center. And we are just not sure what is going to come of it. And what we need in those moments as a blind man would, uh, would have his, possibly his wife or a carer in the home to say we've changed some furniture around and to navigate us. This is what that scripture means, a lamp unto our path. His word is a lamp unto our path. It's like a voice in our ear guiding us through the darkness. Jesus arrives to the disciples in the dark hour of the night, having prayed for them and to overcome their buffeting by the wind and the waves and their fears. And Jesus does likewise to us as he says, I've come that you may have life and have it to the full. And so we can have courage because he prays for us. We can have courage because he steps into our boat in the darkness. Third, we can have courage because he steps into our boat in the wind and the waves. This to me speaks of the external. It speaks of the body if we can. Our mind is the darkness, our body uh, being uh, the wind and the waves. And if we just go back to my wave ski story, uh, the wave coming down with incredible power, me losing orientation, not knowing which way is up, feeling completely disorientated, that's what it feels like for us now. We're being buffeted by the wind and the waves, and yet Jesus arrives for the disciples. For some of us, we feel like our worlds have been turned upside down. We feel like we have got salt and sand coming out of places that they should not come out of. We feel like this, and we don't know how to respond. You see, this is what happens when we see Jesus in our boat. As Peter says, Jesus, if it's you, call me. And Jesus calls him. And the very wind and waves that was causing Peter to be buffeted around are the very things that, Jesus tri uh, that, that Peter triumphs over and walks on the water as a miracle. 
And this is what Jesus does when he enters into our boat in the midst of the wind and waves. The thing that's causing us disorientation and turmoil is the very thing that with Jesus alongside us, we get to stand on top of so we can have courage because Jesus enters our boat in the wind and the waves. Our disorientation can become clarity and orientation. The miraculous can take place when Jesus enters into our world, into our boat. We can take courage. Number four, we can take courage because Jesus steps into our, into our boat despite our fears. And this speaks to me of our soul, our emotions, the things that can get on top of us. Some of them possibly valid and some of them invalid, probably most of them. We read this in Romans chapter 8, verses 5 to 6, and then 12 to 14. Those who live according to the flesh, that would be body and soul, have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. I know that sometimes when we read a lengthy passage of Scripture, we can get a little bit lost in it, but effectively what it's saying is there is a tug of war going on inside of us. It's like two dogs fighting. What we have is we have our body and our soul, and they're fighting with our spirit. The flesh is fighting with our spirit, and especially when we go through our hardships. But the goal isn't to pretend that we don't have a physical and an emotional life. The goal is to empower our spiritual life to lead so that we, along with David, as he wrote Psalm 23, can say this, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And so, friends, today we can take courage because Jesus is praying for us. We can take courage because he steps into our boat in our darkness. We can take courage because he steps into our boat in our wind and our waves. And we can take courage because he steps into our boat in the midst of our fears. We can take courage. Maybe you're there like me and you say, okay, Rich, that's great. I hear these scriptures. Uh, I want, I am encouraged by them, but how practically can I take forward? How can I step into that? And that is so helpful for us because we want to respond like Paul responded, the Apostle Paul, which I'm going to introduce us to now, and then give us a couple of practical handles so that we can take hold of this courage. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, Paul's writing to the church in Galatia, and he says this, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. You see, living is by faith, and it is by his, his faith. Our faith may be weak, but his faith is strong. See, we live not by our weak, vacillating faith, but by His constant, unwavering faith. It means to lean in on His faith. And here is a sentence which has really gripped me. The good news is we do not need a great faith to be saved. What we need is a measure of faith in a great Savior. And so how do we take courage? How do we appropriate this for our own lives? 
two statements uh, just to help us. A vision without strategy remains an illusion. We want to convert this vision of Jesus and uh, uh, taking hold of His words, take courage at His eye, do not be afraid. Uh, but we don't want it just to be an illusion, so we've got to have a strategy to take hold of this. And then strategy without a process is little more than a wish list. And so what we want to do is put some legs to this. We want to take courage. We believe in it. We believe in the Word of God. It is a lamp unto our feet at this time. But how do we take hold of it? And so three things. First, we read that uh, psychologists teach us that our emotional health can be likened to the example that Jesus uses when He says, a wise man builds his house on a solid foundation on the rock. And so psychologists are telling us this information. And so we can reset in a couple of areas. First, just what is our foundation? What do we stand on at a time like this? How do we take courage because Jesus is in our boat? Our foundation is the quality of our relationships and our connectedness. The quality of our relationships and our connectedness. The foundation of every person begins with relationships. You are only as healthy as your relationships are healthy. It is said that this isolation is producing a 30-point IQ drop in humanity. We are not getting smarter by being in isolation. We need people. We need relationships. And so our foundation is the health of our relationships and connectedness. You want a strategy? You want to take hold of the courage because Jesus is in our boat? Then our foundation is we have to press into the relationships with Jesus and with the people that He has put us around us. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 25 says, Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of His return is drawing near. One of the practical ways that we do this is through life groups, through people that we can know and be known by the way we can belong. This is what we do. And it says in Ephesians chapter 4, 16, from him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So what is the practical outworking to appropriate the courage? What is the process to the vision? What is the process to the strategy of Jesus stepping into our boat? Well, it's this, reconnect with God and others every day. Put that into a structure, which leads me into the second. We have a foundation, and then we go into our framing, and our framing is our purpose, the structure of our purpose and routines, the structure of our purpose and routines. It is our purpose that defines who we are and why we are here. And some of us have completely lost that during this time. As we are disorientated, as the wind and waves have turned us upside down and we can't seem to right ourselves, we've got to rediscover purpose just by a silly example. When we discover purpose, we discover passion. Now, if, uh, if you are like me, I am not passionate about being in isolation. I am not passionate about not being able to connect. I am not passionate about the fears of what's going to happen with the businesses of the people that I love and the families of the people that I love. I'm not passionate about that. What I am passionate about is my purpose. What I'm passionate about, we're going to get to. And so the purpose defines who we are and why we are here. The routines help us to live it out. We've got to find what we are passionate about. We've got to get beyond our own stories. Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Hebrews 10, 24, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. 
If I use rugby as an example, I, I used to play rugby, I, I don't anymore. Why on earth would anyone want to be hit by other men's shoulders and get bruised and wake up the next day and hardly be able to walk unless there was a passion? What purpose and passion does is allow us to endure much more hardship than what we otherwise would be able to do. So we can take courage because Jesus steps into our boat because Jesus gives us purpose. When we can align with purpose, it gives us passion, and passion allows us to endure. And so corporately, again, as John mentioned earlier in the service, we have four corporate activities that we mainly gather around in order to work out with passion what God is doing amongst us. Our Sunday services, as we are doing now, do not deny others the opportunity to come in, to be encouraged in this space. Invite them, friends. Get into a life group. As we spoke about foundations just right now, about connecting relationally. Uh, we have Domino Foundation, our social justice work. We have uh, Project Exodus, uh, just working into the addiction recovery space and even beyond that, just into the life recovery space. These are the four corporate activities. And then personally, we get to care for others. We get to concern. We get to think beyond ourselves. When, that, when we remind ourselves of that purpose, suddenly we can wake up with passion. We've got some structure. We can put some routines in our day that we will make two phone calls, five phone calls every day to connect with people to find out how they are because our purpose is caught up in our passion to care for others and to see others come into the life that God has made available to us, this life that Jesus gives us and life to the full. And then number three, just our finishes, if we're looking at a house, our foundations, uh, as, as we look at, and, and then we look at our framing, the structure of our purposes, and, uh, and our routines, and then our finishes, the beautifying of trust and self-control. We need to rely upon God as true and believe the best about others. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 says, Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep His promise. And then self-control, to daily take control of what I can control and to give up control of what I can't. And with that, I want to read a prayer from Reinhold Neuber who says this, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference, living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time. Accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking as Jesus did this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will, so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Amen. Friends, as we close out, loss has come very close to us at this point in time. Last year, most of the loss seemed to be material and finances, jobs, businesses, but now it seems to come very close in relationships, people that we know and love, family members. There is death around us. The loss has magnified. The trauma has magnified. There are wind and waves. It feels dark. We are afraid, possibly, and yet we know that we can have courage because Jesus is praying for us throughout the night, throughout the day 
that Jesus, we can take courage because Jesus steps into our boat in the darkness. We can take courage because Jesus steps into our boat in the midst of the wind and the waves. And we can take courage because Jesus steps into our boat in the midst of our fears. And we can appropriate this through the quality of our relationships and connectedness. We can do something about that. Through the structure of our purpose and our routines, we can do something about that. And through the beautifying of trust and self-control. Let's take control of what we can and let go of what we can't. This is the courage that we can take because Jesus is our courage in our darkness. Friends, I trust that you've heard the word of God today. I hope it leaves you encouraged and that you'll be able to go and process this. Maybe listen to it again. Sometimes it's helpful to listen to messages again. And if you have never put your trust into Jesus Christ's hands, I want to tell you, you do not need great faith. You just need a little bit of faith in a very great Savior. He is able to rescue you, not just for this life on earth, but for the life to come. I want to encourage you to put your trust in Him. And so would you make that decision today? If you are engaging on our AnthemChurch.tv platform, there is an icon that comes up that says, I commit my life to Jesus. Would you tap it so that we can know that you have done that? If you are watching on any other platform, please email us at info at anthem.org.za because we would love to help you take your next step in this faith journey. Our little faith with Jesus' perfect faith, and together we're able to have life and have it in the full in the midst of our darkness, in the midst of our wind and waves, in the midst of our fears. Bless you, Anthem. Bless you, friends. Would you connect with God and with people this coming week, and we'll see you through the course of it.